Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. of our lives. This is the first episode of Series 2 and we are the only and best podcast at giving you everything about the Naughties, regular features and guests are all the new rage as we kick off this season by speaking to Jed from the Total Screamers podcast and uh, he's a Coventry fan and he kind of talks through in a very eloquent and um, what's, the, what's the word I guess, it romanticistic, romanticistic, that's not the word, Romantic, romanticism, romanticized, romanticized way I guess about Coventry City in the noughties. And I've got to say, me and Harry didn't know too much about Coventry in the noughties. Doing a bit of research and speaking to Jed was quite enlightening. Um, they were kind of very much stuck in a, in a rut patch, but we, we learned a lot about their kind of cult hero players. Uh, we get Jed to play Dylan O'Neill, which you guys will no doubt know. He inducts a player into the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame. And uh, we also get him on the scoreboard for what's in your panini as we open a packet of 15-year-old panini stickers and uh, get him up on the scoreboard, which ended ended really well. Yeah, it was a really good interview, Harry. Did you uh, enjoy your time? Yeah, very much so. I felt like we learned a lot about Coventry. Absolutely. So we hope you guys liked the episode as well. But before we let you listen to it, we've got some admin to do. Um, Fantasy Premier League update for the current season. Um, it's not gone well for me. I've gone from 7th, <laughs> 7th to 14th. Uh, you deserved in, it. In game weeks. Deserved it? Well, uh, well after... Mine, you know, giving me some stick last week. I think it was rightly deserved that you'd fall down near near to me. There was a time where we were thirteenth and fourteenth. Really, and I thought maybe I was going to take you, but uh, I'm not, be, not that obsessed. Yeah, to be fair, I was. Um, for me, 
I did all right. I got a good hold of like 56 points and clawbacks and things, but I still ended up a, a place lower uh, on the last day with some of these automatic substitutions, really. Yes. I think like last week I got 89 points, so that's reached the pinnacle of getting 89 points. And I got I got 54 this week, I think. It felt it felt like uh, you, you know, got 37. Did I 37? Yeah. Oh no, I feel like I've been relegated. <laughs> to come from seventh to what is it? Your fourteenth, and I've dropped I've dropped to sixteenth somehow. <sighs> it's not good. I've got to take it over by people I know who don't know football very well as well. That's that's yeah. the annoying thing. Yeah, for sure. There we go. Anyway, we'll, we'll update you guys next week, uh, but keep sending in your funny names, teams, and stuff. Um, we did debut for the preview of this um, wiki races, uh, and we're going to continue doing that before every um, before we speak to every guest on the podcast. Um, it's, it's just quite a good fun game, and uh, I actually really enjoy playing it as well. Uh, so, for those that don't know, wiki races is a game on Wikipedia, and when you try and get from one thing to the other by clicking the fewest links possible. Obviously, this being a Naughties football podcast, we've chosen Naughties footballers. So this week, we are going from Pascal Chimponda to legendary free kick taker, Brazilian World Cup winner, Juninho, who uh, played famously for Lyon uh, in the Naughties in the dominant, 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 dominant era. Um, so yeah, basically, we've got to do start on Chimponda's page. And once you've clicked on Juninho, that's how many, uh, and then count up how many, how many links you've put, uh, made. And you can play along at home as well and try and beat our scores if you can. Um, so, Harry, let's start with you then. You okay. started on Chimponda. What did you click on? Okay, so from there I went to Le Havre. Le Havre, okay. Played there in France. From there I went to Ligon. Okay. From there to Lyon. All right, so here's where it gets a little bit interesting. So... You go down to players, and then there's a link for all Leon players. <laughs> so I clicked that link. Uh, so that takes me up to five links. And then I scroll down, and it gets up to the letter G, and it says page two. Oh, no. So I had to click page two. So does that count? <laughs> yeah, of course it does. <laughs> is, it, right. is, it, is it a hyperlink? <laughs> it is, yeah. Okay. It's in blue and everything. So then I click page two, it takes me to six. And then, of course, on there is Janino. Click Janino, seven. Okay. You're going to be really annoyed at my answer. Because I went a very similar trajectory to you. Okay. You ready? Yeah. So seven to B. I went, not Le Havre, but I clicked on Marseille. Okay. Then I clicked on Ligue 1. Yeah. Then I clicked on Olympic Lyonnais. Yeah. So, so far, I've done exactly the same as you. Up to four. Yeah. And then I scrolled down. Guess who their sporting director is? Oh, no way. Their sporting director is Juninho. See, I thought I was being clever going down to players. I didn't, I didn't even look at the rest of it. I was just like, players, hoping to be mentioned. Or went, actually, I looked at history first, hoping to be mentioned in there. Couldn't see him. Then I went to players, but I was looking in the wrong place, obviously. There we go. That's what you get for Russian. So I got four. Well, you got to count. Last week, we said you count for the last page you got on as well. You count. Uh, What's the last page I got on? I went Marseille. That's one. Ligue 1, two. Olympic Lyonnais, three. Juninho. So then I did it in six then, because I counted Chimbonda's page as well. Oh, yeah. Don't count that. All right. So You start start on that. 
Yeah, um, okay. so you did it in four one, I did it in six. Absolutely. There we are. That's still a whitewash, isn't it? Two, That's nil, two nil to you. Two nil yeah. to me in the series. Um so if you're playing along at home, let us know if you can beat four. Um yeah, but well, I like that game. It's good fun. Um yeah, more wiki races next week. But until well, all, all can we say, I think we've got to give it to you now, haven't we? Should we give it to them? Let's give it to them. Um here is our interview with a very talented, the very polite, very well mannered, and a brilliant guest. Second guest we've ever had, first guest of the series. It's Coventry fan from the Turtle Screamers podcast. It's Jed. Enjoy. I don't know, Jeff, has it? I must have missed that. Red card. Welcome back to Team of Our Lives, the only and best noughties football-based podcast. It is episode one of our brand new series, and we're delighted to be joined by Jed, Coventry fan, and you might know him from the Turtle Screamers podcast and all things football. How are you, Jed? Thank you so much for joining us. I'm very well, thank you, mate. Thank you for inviting me on. And episode one of series two as well. And I think you're you're only our second proper guest, so um, you are you know you're a minutiae among among others. Yeah, I don't, I'll, I'll try not to set the bar too high. No, definitely, so, uh, definitely, no, definitely don't. So you can get some more people on later in the season. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, Harry Portsmouth fan and documentary filmmaker also joins us. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Good not stuff. Too bad. Good stuff indeed. Um, so today's episode, as we alluded to in the intro, is all about Coventry City in the noughties. We've done a little bit of research because I'm going to be completely honest with you. I knew fuck all. Um, well, I've just got to say, really, is that I'm a big fan of the badge. It always reminds me of one of those like old <laughs> old um, Victorian telephones that's kind of like... You know, <laughs> big fan of the yeah. badge. Um, <laughs> it's a good before, badge to be fair it is a good badge to be fair and uh, I prefer your sky blue to that of Manchester City's oh um, yeah the, with the real sky blues yeah. exactly exactly <laughs> um, but we always start with the same first three questions for our guests I say we always start it's the first time we've done it but um, you know you get the idea um, <laughs> so so Jed before we take a dive into Coventry we need to know these three questions number one who is your favourite noughties footballer for me, there's only one one man. Well, to be fair, there could be two, but it's Ronaldinho. Um, yes. And I'd, I'd like to give an honourable mention to Thierry Henry as well. Um, yeah. But Ronaldinho wins it for me. Like That guy was just an incredible footballer. So that's, that's the same answer I gave, I think, in our first ever episode, I think. And I, it's, I don't know what it's like for you, but for me, the difference, this is the way I put it, the difference between him and Neymar, Neymar does tricks because it's part of his brand. It's part of like, the Neymar yeah. thing. Yeah. Ronaldinho done tricks because in his brain, that was the easiest thing for him to do to get the ball past someone. <laughs> like, it's, it, that's how I feel about it. I always, yeah. thought, I always thought he just genuinely just loved doing it as well. Like, you could tell that he, he just loved playing football. And that's like the best thing about it because not only did he love playing it, he was absolutely brilliant at it as well. Yeah. And just, sure. just made it look so easy. Like, absolutely. I, I, with Ronaldinho, I always think back to obviously when I, have played Milan in Europa League when we were one 0 up. Yeah, they bring him on, and within fifteen <laughs> minutes of him being on there, two one up, he's set the first one up and scored a free kick. And you're like, <laughs> what can you do? It's like I throw Ronaldinho. It's just the way it is, isn't it? I love oh, the fair. idea. Yeah, I love the idea of Ronaldinho with Frank Park. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's, just a, <laughs> it's such a mismatch, ain't it? It's such a it's, mismatch oh, of such places. A, like oxymoron, isn't it? <laughs> did, you, did you, Harry? Did you go to that game? I didn't actually. Uh, it's one of the few games that I really uh, regret not going to. But uh, I did get to see Ronaldinho of New Camp, so you know, made, made up <laughs> for it. 
think any any chance I've got seeing him is if he like does like a futsal tournament with Devon. Like, yeah. <laughs> maybe he might rock up at Soccer Aid one year. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that'll be fucking amazing. Okay, <laughs> um, we're at number two. Uh, who do you think is the most underrated player of the noughties? For me, it was I think Kevin Nolan. I think I said. Oh, Kevin Nolan was a good player. Um, I'm in the same area of the pitch, actually, a centre mid. Um, Harry will probably remember him as well. Pedro Mendes, um, I thought was an absolutely brilliant player and did not get enough credit. Incredible player. Ollie will remember when he uh, played for Tottenham and scored that ridiculous goal past uh, Van de Sarvi. Somehow managed to push out behind the line and never counted. Should be the best goal ever scored. It's one of the worst decisions ever, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah, I, I got nothing to say to that. I do when he was playing for Portsmouth. I can't remember who you were playing, but you were like three one down, and he scored yeah. two goals from outside the area. Yeah, like pretty much ten, kickstarted five, five, five. Yeah, five minutes apart. Yeah, kickstarted a great escape, basically. He's yeah, and he, high steam and throwing. Yeah, yeah. I think okay. it was against Man City as well. Back when Man City were, you know, middling side. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's my most underrated player. Yeah, hundred percent. Because it like you look back on him and you think, yeah, that guy was amazing. He never gets the credit that he that he deserves. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think um, he didn't play too much for Portugal either, did he? He He's Portuguese, isn't he? Yeah, he is Portuguese. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. Fair play. And uh, our last one, and this is everyone's favourite, it's the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame. (laughs) Uh, Those of you who are new, um, we induct a player who we thought we're not fit to lace the boots of a football boot. Uh, for <laughs> us, that was Robbie Savage. Um, but Jed, who, who, who is it for you? Um, mine's Emmanuel Abue. Um, he had just awful feet. I can't, I, I can't understand how he made it as a footballer because I can't recall him ever really playing that well um, when he was at Arsenal and just didn't seem to be able to tackle or pass the ball or shoot. So what's he doing there? Just running about. And he made a career out of it. <laughs> yeah, fair play, fair play. It was that famous match when he got subbed off. He got subbed on and then subbed off again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, anger. He thoroughly deserves to be up there with uh, Savage for me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get that made up. He's in. He's in. He's in good company. We're building. We're building. <laughs> building a team of champions. The Robbie Savages. Yeah. <laughs> Happy days. Cool. It's good stuff. All right, let's get on to Coventry then. Um, Coventry in the noughties, from what I've kind of worked out, it was a good start and a terrible end. Is, is that a fair summation? How is it being a fan? Um, to be honest, I'd, I wouldn't even call it a good start, to be fair. Um, we, got, <laughs> we got relegated from the Premier League in 2001 um, and we've still not been back. <laughs> the idea, I think, was to just bounce back straight away and that obviously didn't happen. Um, and then it just, it was like a steady decline for the rest of the decade, really. But the odd like high moment sprinkled in there um, from like FA Cup games and League Cup games and stuff. Um, yeah, overall, it you know it's not been it wasn't a great decade for us. Uh, we also left our our ground Highfield Road and moved to the Rico Arena, um, which is not really a very popular move <laughs> among the, <laughs> the supporters. Um, yeah, there's there's been up oh, there was a lot of uh, downs and less less ups. I'd say. Absolutely. I think um, yeah, you've had some like amazing players kind of go through your ranks, both when you're in the Championship or Div 1, of course, mm. back then, and that kind of as you moved into the Premiership. Um, did the move of the stadium, did that coincide with the change of chairman? 
Sort of, yeah. So it was it was kind of arranged by the chairman we had through the 90s um, who sold off the land, basically. Um, and there's, I don't, I have to say, I'm not too clued up around what actually happened, but there is suggestions that it wasn't all above board, like the, yeah. the dealings that he made. Um, and obviously then they moved to, to the Rico Arena, um, but didn't own the ground and still don't own the ground um so missed out on you know like a lot of income that would have come from that i think the idea was that we'd be in the premier league when we moved um and that obviously didn't go to plan and then they they launched at one point um during the sort of building process of the new stadium um something called operation premiership which was like a three-year <laughs> plan designed to get us back to the premier league um uh, which failed miserably <laughs> Sounds like one of those um, one of those secret kind of World War Two like Churchill. <laughs> yeah. You must initiate Operation Premier. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Yeah, it's just Mickey Adams in charge, um, oh, no. and they had they sold key rings and stuff as well, and uh, and like mugs. Really, Operation Premiership. Yeah, and I think um, still in the <laughs> somebody, somebody on Twitter has actually got one. So I've seen uh, like pictures of it floating around every now and then. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Every time we sort of put together a good run of form, someone brings out the Operation <laughs> Premiership picture. Oh, um, but yeah, it was it was a bit sort of like farcical, really, and um, yeah, like I say, resulted in nothing really. Um, our best finish in the championship in that decade was eighth, um, and that was in a year where we'd been bottom half all season, and uh, <laughs> and I put together a run of form in like the last six games and stuff up the table. Uh, so yeah, not too much to to really be proud of. Um, but growing up watching Cov in in that era was was still decent. We still had some decent players at the club. I think Harry can probably compare Mate. with being a, being a <laughs> well, not not like that, but as a, as a lower league fan, as a, as you yeah. are as well, you're thinking well, Port have been on a similar journey. Although your yeah. naughties were highlighted and by not only Premier League football but like NFA Cup win as well. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, we we definitely had in the decade a bit of a higher, but like I think you sort of set the blueprint for teams that. Are, Go to the Premier League, spend big money, get relegated, and realise, oh, hang on, what, what's happening? And like quite <laughs> similarly, we uh, we sold off the ground, we sold off the land around Fratton Park to one of the owners, and we've you know in the last few years we've managed to get that back, thankfully, and sort of own the stadium again. But uh, I, th- I think you can look at a lot of teams that uh, since Coventry sort of fought, fell out in two thousand one have gone on similar paths, and uh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, there's been a fair few that have never sort of bounced back from that like 90s era. I mean, there was the the um, the RTV digital thing that happened with the yeah. like money, um, which affected a lot of football league clubs. I think cover sure. one of them at the time. Um, and like I say, just I think just mismanagement at the top from the the chairman just sort of led us on a, a downward spiral, and then. We we did eventually. We almost went into administration. I think it was two thousand and eight, and we got bought out. But that then led to worse problems because the owners that came in, obviously in in this decade, took us away from the the town. And you know, um, it's been a yeah, it's been a bit of a. To be honest, the last decades have been worse than the the noughties. Um But <laughs> yeah, it was that was like the start. That was the beginning of it. It was a lot more drawn out than than Portsmouth's decline. Because Portsmouth were like sort of riding high at one point, yeah. and then the next minute we're just down in League Two. Ours was across like 15 years, <laughs> maybe more. <laughs> That's nuts. Um, let's, let's talk about the kind of like early start of the of the noughties then. Um, your manager was Gordon Strachan, obviously, yeah, a, a legend in the game. 
And did he he got you promoted to the Premiership, didn't he? Oh no! So we were actually in the top flight for about thirty-four years in total. So we went oh, really? under under Jimmy Hill, yeah. And oh, of course, we were, in, yeah. we were sort of perennial strugglers in in the first division forever. Um, and I think like occasionally finished in the top half, and then um, obviously the Premier League started, and we were part of the founding like members of the Premier League. But it's just again we still struggled, and then eventually just yeah succumbed to relegation in two thousand and one. Yeah, because my earliest memories of Coventry are, are the kind of Gordon Strachan, Strachan era. Yeah, era. Yeah, um, yeah. Stra- Strachan was in charge. He was player manager originally in the nineties, and then uh, became full time manager. He was at the club for about five or six years, um, but it didn't last very long once we'd been relegated. I think he started the season. It would have been two thousand and one, two thousand and two. Did start yeah. the season, but didn't make it very far. And then eventually, I think he ended up at Southampton after that. <laughs> Yeah, so that was our first year of the new millennium. Obviously, you got relegated. Mm. I think you finished nineteenth from thirty-four points. Um, yeah, but yeah, you had some good players like John Hartson. Then you know, was there at the time. Yeah. I had no idea he was there. Went on to Celtic and done marvelous things. Richard Shaw, I think he's probably. I don't, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I'm going to say maybe the biggest legend at the club. He's he's certainly out there. Um, he's one of our sort of more popular names. Yeah, um, just because I think he, he was at the club for about ten years. Um, and obviously was a yeah, decent defender as well. Um, so yeah, he's he's one of the more like popular figures in in that Premier League squad. We we had a you know I think Colin Hendry was playing at centre half for us as well. He'd been a, a title winner with Blackburn and yeah. Um, we had Magnus Hedman in goal. We went on to play for Celtic after and um, then there was Craig Bellamy. Didn't really live up to expectations. So young young kid that we spent like six million on or something like that. Um, which uh, yeah, which proved not to work out. So yeah, it just it just didn't seem to click into place that year. Um, but players like Hartson were only sort of there for like half a season, I think, and just didn't have that much of an impact. Basically, um, they were sort of like panic buy signings that you'd hope would get you a few goals um, and, and keep you up, basically. But ultimately, it didn't work out. Yeah, I think Harry mentioned to me before you, you with the Robbie Key money, you sold him to Inter Milan yeah. for thirteen yeah. mil, and that, that's what you got. Um, Bellamy with and he was your top goal yeah. scorer of the season got relegated I think he only scored eight goals or something. yeah something like that yeah it wasn't wasn't great showing although we did have you know the likes of um, Mustafa Hadji he was a good player but yes. you know um, you know one or two good players just isn't enough really to keep keep teams up you know, yeah Lee Carsley was there Jay Boffroy yeah. in, from, uh, in his early from, in from Arsenal after he freezed yeah, so yeah. I think he came in the first year we then went down into into the championship um, and again, he didn't really like set the world alight, but he was still quite young at that at that point. Um, but it was basically like a, a rebuilding project, I guess. Um, and in that season, and we didn't really do particularly well in that season either, unfortunately. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, quick question: So, Gordon Strachan's son, Gavin Strachan, was also in yeah. that squad. Was yeah. he any good, or was it just pure nepotism? <laughs> um, to be honest, I, I can't really remember. I think he was half decent, but I, I don't think, I think if you're looking back at, you know, players from that era, he's not really top of anyone's list. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, I yeah. think that speaks volumes. I don't think he was at the club for much longer after Gordon Strachan left Absolutely. either. Do you have any favourite players from that era? Do you have any you think um, kind of stood the test of time? From... The early noughties, uh, Gary McAllister definitely stands out because he sure. had been with us in the 90s and then gone to Liverpool 
And then when he left Liverpool, we got him back on a free. Um, and he was still brilliant. And even though he was probably about 35, 36 at the time. Um, and then eventually he went on to become player manager as well. Yes. Um, yeah. And did did quite well with us as well. He did a half-decent job. Um, eventually he had to then sort of step back from football because his I think his wife was, was ill. Um, so he, he stepped back for that reason. But I think he probably would have stayed a bit longer, you know, because he was doing a yeah, semi-decent job um, at the time. But yeah, he's he's probably a standout player from the early period. Um, and then I've got a few favourite players from sort of like the mid-noughties and the late-noughties as well, which I remember yeah, yeah. a bit better. Yeah, they might they might come up in a second. So the next season, yeah, is Gordon Strachan uh, leaves. So in know one oh two, you get Bruno Nielsen in for a little bit, and then you yeah. just said Gary McAllister, and he finished eleventh in the first division, which isn't yeah. too bad, I guess. Your top goal scorer is Lee Hughes, which I, I can't say I know too much about him. Um, um, yeah, not a, not a very popular figure in football, to be honest. No, Lee Hughes, all, uh, yeah, yeah he, he eventually, I think he left us after that season. Um, I think he was at West Brom. And then had a spell out of football <laughs> um, for something. So, yeah. Um, but he was like the main man at the club, you know, up top really when he was here. Um, and, uh, you know, wasn't that bad either. Uh, he got, you know, did enough to get himself a move to, to West Brom, who I think were mm. in the Premier League at the, the time when he moved. So, oh, yeah. Well, they, may, they may have been or they may have just come down. But. Yes, in the 0-2-0-3 season, you finished 20th, so things aren't going yeah, too well at this point. But your top goal scorer was none other than Jay Boffroyd, uh, with 11 goals. You only won one game of your last 17 games in that season as well, which isn't yeah. great. Um, <laughs> Lucky to stay Matt, up, really, aren't you? Yeah, Gary Coldwell <laughs> in the squad and, and uh, Matt Janssen as well, apparently. Yeah, um, Coldwell was quite young. Um, Janssen, I think, had had injury problems um, and ended up with us after those so never really sort of hit the heights that he was at um, prior to that but um, yeah it wasn't like a, an awful squad but again not you know not good enough but we did have um, I've just remembered another player as well Mo Konjic at centre half um, who was a big Bosnian and uh, was well, it was a fan favourite basically because he liked to you know liked to get stuck get in stuck in here yeah um, I think he played with like a fractured cheekbone as well for quite a while and he had to wear like a you know one of the masks yeah, which yeah. was less less common at the time so he sort of stood out a bit more but yeah he was a good <laughs> player and still fondly remembered around these parts as well happy days happy days um, so after Gamera Callister leaves in about 03-04 you get one of the managers that me and Harry say kind of He's up there with Ian Dowie, who we've definitely speak about in a minute as well. Um, you get you get you, you get none other than Peter Reid, who is in that bracket of managers that no matter how oh, shit, <laughs> shit a job they do, they just keep getting work. Yeah, yeah. So we actually had a short spell before Peter Reid took over. We had a, a bloke called Eric Black, um, okay. who I don't think has had a first team job since. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's more of like an assistant manager type character, uh, yeah. but he actually had had been at the club and sort of took the reins and as like a caretaker manager and did really well. And we were playing really good football under him. Um, we were winning games. We were battering teams as well. I think the first game that we had in charge of him, we won 5-1. Um, and then we, I think we scored six in his last game and they sort of brushed him aside when Peter Reid became available um, for a, a so-called like big name. Um, yeah. And which everyone was was raging about really at the time um, because obviously we were doing so well and the board just didn't seem to 
be bothered. They just wanted a big name in there. Um, so I think that was a mistake. Um, but then obviously they got Reed in and coincidentally, every single time we've then had a, a managerial vacancy, Eric Black's been about 33 to one to get the job oh, <laughs> because really? of that. <laughs> still, still to this day, I think you get odds on Eric Black getting the job because uh, of, because of that. Uh, but then, um, Peter Reid took over and that sort of began the last season at Highfield Road. And we were pretty average as far as I remember. Um, we had some some decent players in the team, like Gary McSheffrey was a standout player. Um, Mo, Michael Doyle as well, very good footballer. Um, and then we had a young centre-back called Callum Davenport, who was very promising to come through the academy and Peter Reid sold him to Tottenham, um, which was disappointing. Uh, mm. And then... Yeah, Reed. I think he only lasted about half a season, um, or just over. It's pretty the, good for him, to be fair, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he was—he he was one of those. It was just a so-called big name. Um, yeah, I think yeah didn't Gary, do really well at all. Gary McSheffrey's name that keeps topping up, uh, popping up. He won a yeah. lot of uh, top goal scorers, and uh, yes, you know, yeah, very young, very young Stephen Warnock there at the time. Yeah, and, we did. Um, yeah, Warnock on loan. He, he was brilliant, actually, on loan. Stephen Warnock. Yeah, um, and a very and a very old Steve Staunton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Staun- Staunton was sort of in the, the twilight of his career when he was with us. Um, but again, I think he, you know, he did a, he did a job, um, and sort of I think they rotated. To be honest, whenever one Steve's legs gave out, the other one came in. Absolutely. Uh, talk to me about Mickey Adams then, because he took over Peter Reid, I believe, for the next couple of seasons. Yeah, um, yeah. Mickey Adams was wasn't the worst manager we've ever had. Um, he. He obviously came in with the the Operation Premiership stuff, and it was it was all quite positive. Um, he, he certainly improved the team when he came in, um, and we were able to survive in the end that season, the last season at Highfield Road. Mm. Um, and then his first full season was the first one at the Rico, which again was probably average, but we ended up finishing eighth with a good run of form at the end of the year. Um, and then eventually it all sort of fell apart for him the year after that. Um, we just we just couldn't really put any wins together, um, and they, they replaced him. But I, I liked Mickey Adams when he was at the club. I think he built quite a decent side. We still had McSheffrey. Um, we we signed Stern John, who was quite a good centre uh, forward in in the division. Um, sure. We we still had Michael Doyle. Um, we Marcus Hall had come back to the club as well. He was a left back who came through the academy, and then a, he was sort of broke through when we were in the Premier League and. Had gone elsewhere after that, after we went down. Um, so he came back. Um, one of my favorite players as well, Deli Adabola at the club. There was oh, sort no. of a uh, football league journeyman, um, but he was like a big, powerful centre forward who somehow managed to score goals. He didn't look like he'd be able to kick a ball, but he, but he did. <laughs> he was able to. Um, yeah, so it was, it was all right. You know, things were relatively steady under Mickey Adams until uh, the season where obviously we couldn't really put any form together um, and that's when Ian Dowie then took over from him yeah but we'll get on yeah, we'll that, sort, that. Of, sort of coincided with the troubles off the pitch then where we were running out of money and, and things like that for so. sure for sure yeah McSheffrey I think he got top goals for a few guys three three years in a row I think yeah really um, good player that, yeah, yeah he, he definitely definitely one of those championship players him and Mike, Michael Misford kind of ring a bell Yes, yeah. So Mifsud came in after McSheffrey's time, um, but McSheffrey was he was quick. Um, he could finish. He was left-footed as well, um, which really sort of helped him because it got him into the team in the first place. Sort of 
breaking through. Um, and he, he scored every type of goal as well. Um, he could beat players or, you know, he could take set pieces. He, he was able to, he was quite good in the air as well, considering he was a bit smaller. Um, and yeah, he was, he was very quick as well. So he was um, the local hero, really, because he, he was a cov lad as well. Um, so everyone was, you know, was a McSheffrey fan, but unfortunately he, uh, he left to go to Birmingham. Uh, oh, divisional oh, rivals. Yeah, in, yeah. They came down from the Premier League. Um, I'm not sure if Steve Bruce was still in charge of them at the time, but he had been in the Premier League and they got relegated. And they went in, and I think they bought McSheffrey office for about four million, um, which isn't a yeah. bad price tag for you know a championship player, but sure. yeah, it was a bit it was a bit devastating when he left, to be honest. Um yeah, I likened it to to Jack Grealish recently. Yeah. Um the local boy. <laughs> Leaving, uh, leaving for, a, yeah, leaving for a different club in the division. Um, I did say that to Billy off our um, yeah. Total Screamers podcast as a Villa fan. He wasn't really impressed with the uh, <laughs> comparison, but um, it felt there was a lot of similarities there. <laughs> Tell you what, yeah, we need to get, we need to, get, we need to, uh, we need to get Billy on. Actually, we need, there's a lot of Aston Villa went through a hell of a decade, that decade as well, sure. particularly towards the end. <laughs> um, yeah, so another few players that jumped out. You mentioned Sir John as well. I do remember him. Oh, yeah. Apparently, apparently yeah. you had you had Tim Sherwood was there for a little bit. Sean oh Gons- yeah, Sean, oh, I Sean, forgot about forgot about Tim Sherwood. Sean, yeah. Sean, Sean Gota was there. Dennis yes. Wise. Yes. So um, Tim Sherwood came in Twice. under Peter Reid actually, um, and he got the captain's armband straight away, <laughs> and was clearly finished. Like I, it, I don't know why he was still <laughs> playing think, at that point. I don't think he ever started personally. Yeah, I think he. I think he'd come from us from Spurs, um, where he, he didn't. He couldn't get a game anymore, um, and he did play a few times for us, but didn't really, you know, I think, really do much. Um, so yeah, he was not a great signing at all. I, I think I he got. Forgot. I think he signed it from Portsmouth. Yeah. Oh, did like we? A, oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, he was. Sorry, yeah, he was. He was at. He was at Portsmouth, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't too bad, <laughs> but you know, it wasn't. He wasn't a uh, great, so I can't imagine by the time he got to you after a season or two of us, he, he must have lost yeah, a few more was, yards of pace. He, he had, yeah, he had. Um, he, he didn't really last that long in the team. I don't even think he saw out the whole season that year either. I think he sort of retired. Uh, may have been due to like injury, but you know he wasn't really getting in the team either. So I think he did actually retire that year. Um, Sean Gota came on loan. Um, from I can't remember where he came on loan from, but we had him for half a season as well towards the end of the. Uh, that was the last year at Highfield Road, two thousand and four, two thousand and five. He came on loan, and everyone was just absolutely buzzing because obviously the feed the goat yeah. chant yeah, was just, yeah, one of the best chants ever. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if he actually scored for us. I don't. Think he did. <laughs> um, Dennis Wise seems a bit weird because I thought oh, he must have been retired by that point. Because he went Dennis his... Wise was actually brilliant. To be fair, when he came, really, in. yeah, he. Um, so Dennis Wise was, I think he was about 36 as well, but he came, okay. he came in under Mickey Adams at the first season at the Rico. Um, when we'd been sort of bottom half of the table for you know, the whole season and he just completely transformed the midfield um, and he just sort of ran the show. He was he was class. He actually scored a, an overhead kick um, away at Hull. And if you, like, I don't know, you probably haven't seen it, but... If if I can ever if I can find a video of it, I'll send it over to you because it is for a 36 year old man to be scoring the overhead kick that he scored was incredible. It was from the edge of the 18 yard box. The ball just sort of sat up and he's he's up there like 
it lobs the keeper with a bicycle kick. It's absolutely wow. incredible. It's absolutely it's, incredible. Uh, solid it's, uh, nine out of ten on the Trevor Sinclair scale. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Especially because he was because it's it's Dennis Watt, isn't? And he wasn't a big guy in the you know, no. in the, in the no. first place. Um, and yeah, to do it at like thirty six, incredible. Um, but he actually, yeah, he he really sort of transformed the team. Um, if he'd wow. been a couple of years younger, I think he he would just been an amazing signing for us. But yeah, it's a shame we only got half a season out of him, really. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's move on a little bit. You've mentioned him already, um, and we've mentioned him uh, the kind of oh uh, six oh seven season. We introduced yeah. Adrian Heath, who was there briefly, and then, of course, the legendary, yeah. in many ways, Ian Dowie. <laughs> um, what was going on there? Because you had some weird players. This is when Michael Misford was your man up top. Yes. And you also had the yeah. likes of, um, you might remember, uh, Trinidad and Tobago player who looked like he should be playing for Norway. Yeah. It was Chris yeah. Burchill. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chris Burchill wasn't that bad a player either, to be fair. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, but I, I don't think he lasted very long at the club. Unfortunately, but um, but yeah, I somehow got a game for Trinidad and Tobago through his grandparents, I think, um, at the World Cup. Um, I don't know how he he managed it to be honest, but, but yeah, um, yeah, he was he wasn't that bad a player, but it didn't really set the world alight to be honest. Um, I, which is I think might be why he didn't last too long. But you know, when Dowie came in, everything was was quite positive still he said he wanted to take the club back up to the premiership as well um and he he'd had taken palace up there mm. just a couple of years before so everyone sort of thought you know we might be able to to do that um but you know in the end it wasn't to be um Miffs had coming in was was a brilliant player um i think he's like malta's best ever footballer or something oh, like that. um but he was just he was light and quick um could finish his chances as well um and was just a really he had like a sort of big man little man combo up top for for Ian Dowie with with Adabola um, and it, it did work quite well I think we just our defence let us down really in that that era of the team um, but yeah he I, I was I was a fan of Ian Dowie as well um, oh, he, he he had he engaged with the fans quite a lot as well um, after every he, game he sort of yeah. did like a fist pump thing after every after every win. We seem to get everyone going. <laughs> he comes across as a very likable guy, just not the yeah. most comp- competent of managers, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's kind of, yeah, no, that's a pretty accurate description, to be fair. Fair enough. <laughs> Miss, Michael Misford, right? do you remember, I don't know if you know this guy, it's probably my niche knowledge. Um, do you remember Andy Selver? Uh, no, that's not really any bells. He was, uh, he was, he was he's San Marino's uh, all-time top goal scorer. Oh, yeah, sort of, yeah, kind of. He's, um, yeah. he's he's yeah. scored um, eight goals for them yeah. in his career, <laughs> but um, and San Marino had only ever scored sixteen goals yeah. in the whole thing. So he, he scored half his country's goals. Uh, and That's amazing. Eight. Oh, Michael Miffs reminds me of him. It's quite fun. Yeah, Miffs is very much that kind of player because I think he's like Maltese players don't tend to to play in Europe like a lot. Oh, Turkey um, and Greece. There's, yeah, there's a few like players scattered around but he's like he's treated like Ronaldo over there like he's just like massive um and he he's I think he still plays for them as well um and he's he's over 40 now but he still plays uh, he still plays football like domestic football in Malta and also plays for the national side as well Um, what's it uh who is the other one is it Danny Higginbottom who plays with Gibraltar 
<laughs> someone like so, that, yeah. Someone like I can't remember. It's something like that. There is, there is some, some, yeah. I know what you, I know who you're on about. There's a obscure player or plays for an obscure country like that, which is a bit only, random. But yeah, only plays <laughs> internationals. <laughs> yeah, no, I genuinely think that Mifsud will probably be playing for Malta into his fifties. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Has it led to uh, Coventry having a um, like Maltese fan base? Do you know what? I, I don't know. Um, I like to think so. But because they're they're English speaking in, in Malta, aren't they? Yeah. So it's uh, it, it's there's a, a strong possibility of it. I love but, to um, think this is like Maltese people around in a Coventry shirt. <laughs> I, gen- I think there genuinely might be has to, to be because there there certainly would have been at the time when he was playing for us. For sure, definitely because he was like not only did he score you know quite a few goals for us in the league, but we beat Man United, um, uh, Old Trafford in, in the Carling Cup one year, and he scored twice. Um, I remember that and like he was just worshipped here because of that and he, I can't imagine yeah. what it would have been like in uh, in Malta but yeah what a player he's he's, an, he's like a court hero type player um, yeah like absolutely those yeah. are my favourite kind of players I think kind of oh, yeah. a bit of a bit of a decanio about him yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he probably wasn't as controversial as Decanio, uh, but I don't remember <laughs> no, him. He no. got sent off once for an elbow <laughs> um, against West Brom, which uh-huh. was a silly thing. I don't even know, because he was so small as well. It was a, quite an achievement to actually elbow someone in the head because um, <laughs> he was only about five foot six. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, what a player. Absolutely. I love the players like that. Um, <laughs> moving on to the back end of the decade, 07 or 08, in Dowie coming for... I think he finished 21st with him, I think. And um, Chris Coleman comes in, who I had no recollection he even went there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you've got players like Ian Dezeu signs on from Wigan, yeah. Scott Dan, and Casper uh, Smichael made an appearance as well. But I, I completely forgot that. Yeah. Um, that was quite a, a good era for future players, um, the Chris Coleman era. Um, I haven't mentioned as well, actually, my, my favourite Ian Dowie moment. Um, before we move on uh, we had a FA Cup tie away with Blackburn um, the third round we beat them 4-1 at Ewood Park um, and Mifsud scored twice um, Dele Adebola scored probably my favourite ever goal because uh, he you know I said earlier he's quite a big centre forward yeah. you know, not the quickest he sort of picked the ball up on the left wing um, and skinned three or four players and, and smacked it into the bottom corner. He was, he was like a man possessed. It was unbelievable. Um, and that was like, for me, that was Ian Dowie's greatest achievement was getting Deli Adebola to, <laughs> to score a goal like that. Does um, it beat, does it beat Dennis Weiss over a kick from the yeah. Yard box? So. Um, for me, it does because I was there. I wasn't there oh, when, fun, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. when Weiss scored the overhead kick. But in terms of, you know, like, what was more impressive? Dennis Wise's was probably more impressive. But, <laughs> but yeah, Ada Bowler's goal was incredible. Um, and we also had, in that era as well, we also had a penalty taken centre-half, um, Elliot Ward, which is a, like, a nice quirky thing you don't see every night, yeah, every day. I do, yeah, he was, he wasn't a bad centre-half as well. Um, yeah, when, when Dowie was sacked, he was actually sacked um, five days before an FA Cup tie um, with West Brom, which had he been in charge for probably would have gone a bit differently but we got battered 5-0 at the Rico Bloody um, yeah with like caretakers in charge um, and it just wasn't really a, a, a great time that was the season where we we had beaten Man United but then we also almost went into administration um, so off the pitch things were sort of going wrong by that point um, and when when Coleman came in everyone was a bit uncertain about whether he would actually be any good because 
his only sort of managerial achievement had been getting sacked by Fulham um, up, up until that point. But he sort of assembled a really good team and just didn't really, I don't, to this day, I still don't think he's a really good manager. Um, he just That's didn't cool. really, yeah, he just wasn't able to, to, to get results. It was really weird, but we had um, the, when like the players came in, it wasn't necessarily the 07, 08 season. It was the year after. Um, but even in that season, we had Kasper Schmeichel on loan for a few games, um, but he was still very young at the time and wasn't really like the finished article at all. Um, the year after we, we signed a goalkeeper called Kieran Westwood, um, yeah. who went on to, to bigger and better things, but he was probably the best goalkeeper I've seen at the club in, in the time I've been watching them. Um, we had Scott Dan, as you said, he came from Warsaw, I think. Um, yes, um, Danny Fox as well, uh, left back, was also a very good player. Um, and he went on to play in the Premier League after. Um, Aaron Gunnison as well um, was brought in from, I think he was playing in, in Holland at the time. Uh, he came in and no one really knew anything about him, but obviously turned out to be a great player. Had these long throws that we'd seen in the Premier League with like Rory Delap. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, we've got our own like Rory Delap, he's amazing. <laughs> and we did actually get a few goals off that as well. Um, so he came in, um, we had Clinton Morrison up front, um, who was a, a decent goal scorer. Yeah. Um, Mifsud obviously was at the club. Um Michael Doyle was still playing for us. He, he had a, a really good spell like, throughout the noughties, basically, in the team. Um, we had uh, Leon Best as well up front, who, who turned into a, a bit of a cult hero as well. Because um, he originally, when he joined the club, was awful and everyone hated him. Couldn't stay on side. The year after, um, when he was playing alongside Clinton Morrison, just turned into a, like one of our best players. Um, and in the end, he he ended up moving into the Premier League as well. So like half of that that team went on to bigger and better things. We had Jordan Henderson on loan as well from, from that, Sunderland, yeah. um, and he actually played on the wing. Um, really, in, in like a four four two formation. Wow. Yeah, he was because he was very quick back then. He was um, and he was quite skillful as well, and he he did really well. So I, I don't know how we didn't do better in the league, but I think we ended up finishing something like nineteenth. Or, or yeah, so I've, and, got, uh, I've got it down here. Yeah, oh eight, oh nine. Yeah, it's nineteen, fifty-four points, 17. and nine, ten, seventeen from fifty-four as well. Fifty-four points back to back. Yeah, that was like probably one of the best teams we had in the championship, um, and one of our worst finishes. I'm not really sure, like exactly what happened. I do think that Chris Coleman was probably the issue. Um, because I suppose it's with twenty twenty one vision, knowing how well those players went on to come. You mean because yeah. I've got down here? You had yeah, I Callum, mean, Cat, you had a young Callum Wilson, Freddie Sears, Jack Cork, Patrick Van Arnholt, uh, and John Stead, who you know, done, done a fifth fair few numbers yeah. in that league. Yeah, so they they came through. They came the year after, um, I think. But Callum Wilson didn't really break into the team until a few years later. Uh, but he was there, obviously, come through the academy. Uh, and John Stead, the year after, he was the replacement for Leon Best after he left, oh, um, and didn't really do much I mean if we'd have kept him potentially could have worked out better for us because he was that kind of championship level striker that you needed but um, yeah it didn't really work out for him he did I think he's he did score a couple of goals but didn't have the same sort of impact on the team that Leon Best had um, yeah Van Aanholt also was was very good for us when when he played um, at left back he was the sort of Danny Fox replacement 
because we'd sold him um, to Celtic, I believe. So, like, like I say, I think the, the players that we had come in were great. Just, just didn't really click on the pitch, unfortunately. But with that team that we'd had, we, we could easily have done better. We had quite a good cup run in the Chris Coleman one year. We, we went out to Chelsea in the quarterfinals. I was um, just going to mention, yeah, went, went yeah. out to uh, Chelsea in the quarterfinals. You beat Blackburn, who were in the uh, Premiership at the time. Also, beat yeah. talk, my local team was Dorby yeah. United, who <laughs> Clint, Clinton Morrison also played for. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. We struggled past Torquay, if I remember, to be honest. We were away and we won in the last minute. It was like a, a last minute winner from a corner. Um, but yeah, Blackburn was good because we, we played them twice, um, like in, in two seasons. And the first year we went away there and we won, you know, beat them 4-1. The second year we we drew um, and it went to a replay. But that day also was the first. Um, Aaron Gunnison scored his first goal for the club and it was an absolute screamer. Uh, from from about 25 yards he sort of come out from a corner and he's like chested it down and just smacked it into the top corner it's a great goal yeah um, yeah there was like like I say there was there was like high notes particularly towards the end of the, the decade but we just didn't like, we just couldn't turn it into results unfortunately in the league well, is a, it, sorry so is Coleman not remembered too fondly then Cause, cause no not, not really he's, he's remembered as one of those who who had a great team and just didn't do yeah. enough with it. Yeah. Um, we had a similar issue with Tony Mowbray in the last decade as well, because he put together a, a really good team in League One and we were sort of, you know, in the playoffs at, at Christmas. And then after that, it all just sort of fell apart. This is kind of like, he's kind of remembered in the same regard where yeah. we had great players and everyone was getting excited about the team, but, you know, it, it just didn't work out. So as you mentioned at the start, kind of in the 90s, you're one of the founding, well, one of the, I suppose, one of the teams that was in the Premier League initially. The noughties were kind of, um, I don't know, a transcendent time for Coventry by what we've learned today. It's kind, yeah. of, kind of very much stuck between a rock and a hard place. What, what, Pretty much, the, yeah. I suppose we don't do this very often, but I'm, I'm kind of, I can't say I know too much about the team now, but what, what's, what's the direction looking like now? You're back in your, your kind of home turf, so to speak. Yeah. Um, Where, where's what's the trajectory? Only up. We're only going up at the minute. Yeah. Um yeah, everything's positive. very positive around the club at the at the minute. So we um had been just you know continuing a downward spiral over the last decade. Obviously, we've we've had to play away from Coventry for a couple of seasons. Uh, but Mark Robbins has, has come in, um taken us up from from League Two um at the first time of asking, and then within two seasons had gone up uh, to the championship as well. Uh, we played really good football at the minute. Um, we're back in Coventry. Everything seems to sort of be clicking into place at the minute. Um, and at the moment, we started the season with three wins out of four games. Um, yeah. So Mark Robbins is a great uh, manager. Well. He's done really he, well with you. He is, yeah. He's, he's, he, it's him and our assistant manager, A.D. Vivash, who used to work for Chelsea um, and the youth team at Chelsea. So he's got some some good connections, basically. And we get, basically, Chelsea youth players coming to play for us. Um, and they've all turned out to be you know, brilliant signings when they've come in. Um, so, yeah, everything at the moment is, is looking really positive for us. Obviously, we stayed up last season. Um, this year, I'd fancy us to be sort of mid-table. And then after that, I think the club, they really want to sort of push for, for the playoffs and try and, you know, get us back into the Premier League. Um, and there's at the minute, under Mark Robbins, there's no reason why we can't do that. Happy day. So I look forward to seeing the, uh, seeing the best badge 
arguably yeah, in, the, <laughs> in, in the league back in the back in the Premier League. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm, what I'm glad they I'm glad they haven't done what Bristol City have done, what Chelsea have done in recent years, and just reverted to like a modern type. Oh, yeah, weird they did. Like, they did actually suggest something. Um, uh, something I forgot to mention, which was around the Operation Premiership era. Um, they did suggest a badge change for us it's, because I the club was, was moving to the new ground. They sort of suggested the new badge as well, and it went down very badly. Good. Um, so I, I don't think they'll ever change the, the badge at the club no, because of that. Um, I think that they they have done it in the past, but as like a gimmick. So that for our 125th year anniversary, they sort of replaced the football with a golden disc that just said 125 years um and we also had a year where we had a retro kit because we we'd been wearing sky blue for like 60 years or something so they they brought a um they made the kit look like it was from the 1960s and they put oh, a retro cool. style badge on that one but even that's still got like the elephant on and like, yeah. still around it they'll never <laughs> i don't think they'll ever change the badge because of how it went in <laughs> in like two, the 2000s but that badge is awful i don't know oh, if you've seen it but that, it's yeah I looked, i've horrific. seen it i looked at it today and that, that badge <laughs> really, i think it's 2005 very presented it's like yes it looks i'm sure in 2005 <laughs> it looked kind of an edge sort of thing like in the design team but if that was t- there today it looks so dated yeah, I hope it's that, got a big old F just like yeah. <laughs> I hope oh. they didn't pay anyone for it because oh, like it was terrible. It's for those who haven't seen it, it's basically like a dark blue shield with CCFC written on it, and the F like spirals down into like an elephant's trunk, and, oh, and it no. just looks it looks hideous. Yeah, it's, it's you awful. know when whereas, uh... whereas our one's got like uh, the current one, obviously the, yeah. the traditional one's got like a phoenix on, and it's got like the you know the the banners and, and the, sure. the top. Yeah, like it, it doesn't compare. Like, I can't you know believe when, um, that was a good idea. When, when Pro Evo didn't have the licenses for like proper clubs, <laughs> and it just yeah. would make a generic badge. I can imagine it, it would, was like, maybe, it would uh, been. Harry, yeah. put, it up, put it up on the Twitter later on so uh, people can see. I think. That'd be, that'd be good. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah, it shouldn't really see the light of day again, to be fair. But I feel like everyone <laughs> needs to see it at least once just to, just to know yeah, the thing that's, is, that's not it. <laughs> so somewhere, so, somewhere there's a graphic designer who's like, you know, going for, <laughs> going for a dark patch. I think during like the 2000s as well, so many clubs attempted to revert to the shield. And I don't know whether it's because like Arsenal were doing well and they had that sort of style, or, but everyone tried that. I mean, like now it's everyone tries this like digital friendly yeah. circle, yeah. don't they? Like, CBDs, these yeah. things, these things won't age well do you know what I mean like in 10 years time you'll need to change it again like it's time like, for the Coventry badges it's, it's timeless like it's perfect as it is and like yeah. I said, it's one of if, the best badges in the league if we ever change our badge I'll be devastated because it is like it, it, even though it's unbiased as a club fan it is a great badge because there's a lot going on and it's just sure. you know it's just it's just different to other badges ain't it no one else has got yeah, yeah that's got what, anything yeah. like that on theirs so that's why like a Plymouth Argyle badge it's just a ship but yeah let's just wrap this bit up i guess uh yeah jed thanks for talking us through the decades but it's time now My to pleasure. play our first kind of a regular feature i guess of the series it's deal or no deal uh regular listeners will know this as a kind of true or false game based very loosely on the noughties legendary quiz game show, which my granddad was on. Deal or no deal? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, <laughs> we, won't talk, we, won't, we won't talk about how he done. He's got one P. <laughs> He's part of the Penny Club. Uh, that's amazing. No, that is amazing. That is, that's something to it, be proud of. It was the worst. <laughs> I, I, I might as well say it now because we've gone into it. It was the, it was the worst <laughs> experience of my life. <laughs> Noel Edmonds is a lizard. <laughs> I just want to paint a picture uh, for you. It was an Easter special, and yeah. Ollie was stood in a crowd with bunny ears on. Oh. And his dad got down, his granddad got down between like two boxes. They offered him to swap. He said no, and he had oh. a penny. What was the other box? I can't remember. Oh. 35 grand. Oh. <laughs> oh, that is peak deal or no deal. That, that is, is. I mean, that that's is, uh... I'm, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that, mate, but that is great <laughs> telly, though, to be fair. <laughs> I think it's still recorded somewhere, but it was my, my grand was the one uh, who said don't swap, even though they heavily suggested to swap. Yeah. And uh, it was, uh, if, I just knew if it was me, I'd have thought, I don't know. Anyway, to be fair, they got, they got, a, free, they got a free holidays in Croatia. Oh, that's quite good. That's so, quite good. Didn't, away, didn't walk away, nothing. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, deal or no deal? Um, <laughs> This is a, the, tra- the transfer quiz game, which is basically true or false, uh, which we yeah. just stole, stole the name from a Naughties TV show. Yeah. Um, so what I've done for you, I've got all Coventry players. I'm basically going to say whether they move to this club or not, and you've got to basically say deal or no deal. Deal if it's true, no deal if it's false. Number one, right. Clinton Morrison, did he move from Crystal Palace to Coventry on a free deal or no deal? Uh, yes, deal. Correct, he did. Yeah. Nice and easy, nice and easy stuff. Scott Dan, did he move from Coventry to Aston Villa for 3.5 million? No, no deal. Correct, went again. To, went to Birmingham City, didn't he? He did, he did. Yeah. I, I thought he might have got that. <laughs> um, number three, we spoke about Danny Fox. Did he move from Coventry to Celtic for 1.5 million? Yes, deal. He did, there we are. You mentioned yeah. it earlier. Yeah. <laughs> good knowledge, good knowledge. This could be another five out of five. Oh, we've not, no we've not had a guest. We've, <laughs> we've not had a guest that hasn't got five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this one might be a bit tricky. Um, Don Hutchinson, oh, Scottish player. legend. Player. Did he move from Millwall to Coventry on a free? Yes, deal. He did. Yes. You know, he actually scored a wonder goal as well in his time at, uh, at the club. He scored like a 40-yard screamer against Leeds. Did Which he? is another one, yeah, in the same season as the Dennis Wise goal. Yeah, I, need to, I, need, I need to search that Dennis Wise goal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll, try, I'll find it for you. Yeah, it's incredible. Right, there's two, <laughs> two things we've put on Twitter, the Dennis Wise goal and the badge. <laughs> uh, and last but not least, Craig Bellamy, did he move from Coventry to Blackburn Rovers for 6.5 mil? Uh, no deal, false. I think he went to Newcastle, did he? He certainly did. He went to Newcastle. Five out of five. Yeah. It, was, it was nice and easy. No yes. Fair play. Pressure is I'm off. delighted. <laughs> Happy days. Um, but it's time now for what's in your panini. So for those of you that don't know, I've purchased some retro 14 slash 15 year old stickers from the noughties for the 2007-08 era specifically. And what we're doing, getting all our guests to pick a pack we're ranking it out of 10 and then they join our leaderboard. Um, we've kind of, not, I wouldn't say we've messed things up, but the leaderboard is at the moment, it's got me on nine because I'm packed for another <laughs> out of 10. The, and the, the season's from, from the year he um, won the Ballon d'Or as well. Champions League and the league. Harry's best player he packed was, was it Aaron Lennon? Yeah. <laughs> not a bad player. Not a bad naughty. Not a bad player. No, but not Ronaldo. 
rest of the pack was terrible. My best, yeah. my best, the best sticker I got was uh, a <laughs> was actually Bolton Wanderers kit. Yeah, it's a good kit. <laughs> it was a lovely kit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so Harry got four point seven. So, I mean, very impressed if you managed to beat me, but you're, you've got a good chance. Very of impressed Harry. If, if you managed to get worse for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so, Jed, if you do for if you pick a number between. <laughs> Pick a number between one and ten, please. Uh, I'm going to go for number four. One, two, three. You've got pack number four. I mean, this is this is the most exciting part of my I'm, week. So I'm really, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. How many stickers are in a are in a pack in those days? Um, you only get like, like five these days. No, nah, I think it's like six. Something like that. But the thing is, I've I've bought these and I've been tempted to open them. <laughs> no, I, I've got to wait every week now. Have you got um, the book? No, I've, no, I couldn't. Oh. Uh, I'm going to. <laughs> that, what, that Ronaldo sticker I looked was going on eBay for like 25 quid. <laughs> so, quid's you know, in. Quid's, quid's in. in, exactly. If it, was a shi- <laughs> if it was a shiny one, it would be 500. Jesus. That's yeah, mad, isn't it? Anyway, so you're gonna, those, those of you listening, you can't see this, you're going to hear the authentic seal of approval rip. There we go. Oh, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Smells like 2007. <laughs> <laughs> What was, I, what was I doing in 2007? I was going to college, probably. No. Uh, no, last year of school. Last year of second school. There we go. All right, so I've sealed them upside down. So I think the first sticker is a double. So you've got two players on it. Are you ready, Jed? Yes. So you're, uh, if you beat me, bloody fair play. You've got a good pack. <laughs> but you're aiming to beat Harry. You're aiming to get above a 4.7. We need a shiny, I'm, I'm guessing, then. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. And I tell you what, it's a fucking good start. Oh, because Come you on. have a double sticker of Carlos Bacanadra, the defender for Fulham, <laughs> and Gareth Bale. Oh, yes, I'll take that. That is, that is strong. That's left back Gareth Bale, is it? That is left back Gareth Bale. I'll take that. Yeah, I, I like Bacanadra. None for less. Done, done a job for um, for Fulham. Ready for the next sticker? Yeah. Okay, it's a player I have no recollection of. It's Bolton player Gerald Sid. Oh yeah, of course the famous Gerald him. Sid. Yeah. <laughs> Fam- uh, yeah. Had a great spell at Bowl. <laughs> I bet that's okay. I bet that's worth quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I've genuinely Gerald never Sid heard that name before. I've life. never heard that name. He, he looks like he looks like David Villa's brother. There we go. Okay. Is he a big Sam sign in it? Uh, yeah, maybe. Has to be, doesn't he? Has to be. Next player. Oh, I'm afraid it's a Birmingham City player. It's Raphael Schmitz. Oh, it's okay. Uh, I can't I can't say I remember him either, to be honest. No, can't say I do. Yeah. There we go. I don't mind Birmingham. I don't mind Birmingham City as much as uh, as much as Villa and Leicester, to be fair. No, I, I as, hear as, you. as fans we're sort of united in in hatred against Villa with Birmingham. Yeah. <laughs> and they let you ground chair the other year, so you can't be too yeah, we're, we're all yeah. right. Yeah. Fair enough. Next player. Oh, interesting one. It's a Sunderland goalkeeper, Craig Golden. Craig Gordon. Not bad. I think, was he their record signing at the time? I think he was. was. Yeah. He like, yeah. That's not a bad card. It's not I bad. I don't think I'm doing very well at the minute, though. It's not. Gareth Bale is doing a lot of the uh, heavy pushing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, my God. You might get some points here for cult hero status. Oh, 
because I, I did not see this coming because he gave up on football. Can you have a guess who it is? Gave up on football? You got really uh, depressed. When, when did, oh, uh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> but what's a generational talent? Oh, Michael Johnson. Yes. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, what yeah. What he had it, uh, injury problems, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. He had like a fatigue thing, didn't he? But he was he was really good. He was man's point. He was a really good man city player. Yeah, he, yeah, he was a good player. Yeah, I'll take that. And lastly, it's uh, I can only just say it really. It's Matt Derbyshire. <laughs> Matt Derbyshire. I mean, there's worse worse players to have. I could That's have had, I could have had two Gerald Sids. <laughs> I've, I've just looked up Gerald Sid. Uh, he was a French player. He did all right in the French leagues. He played seven games for Bowen. Legend. Oh. Premier League. Legend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, he also gave up on football after uh, yeah. <laughs> after after having to live in Bolton. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's what it was. Came from Bordeaux, went to Bolton. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, I'm I'm back to France. See you later, lads. Absolutely. Oh, I Is hope he... they sold him. I hope they sold him a dream. Uh, Bolton's <laughs> lovely. It's like the south of France. <laughs> Many arcade machines you can see yeah he just goes up and he's surrounded by pocket pies absolutely so let's get let's get quickly go for it i mean harry harry think of the think of the score here um so you're matt derbyshire blackburn uh michael johnson man city craig gordon sunderland Raphael schmitz birmingham city gerald sid who is becoming a bit of a meme at this point (laughs) (laughs) um and then very much very much doing a lot of the heavy lifting is carlos bocanegra and uh, Gareth Bale, uh, both defenders, according to this sticker. Um, Harry, yeah, I don't want to do this to you, mate, but I think Gareth Bale might tip it over four point seven. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking through what I had last week. That's so. a bit like surely, surely I'm up there for for Sid. I mean, <laughs> like, uh, he's, he's, he's he's making he's, all the points on his own, isn't he? He's just a meme. That's the thing. <laughs> so, yeah. Have you had Have you had any duplicates while you've done that? No, no, game, not so yet. Yeah. Only, only <laughs> three packs, to be fair. you're in charge of the score. Okay, so. here's here's what I'm going for, Harry. And hopefully, you'll agree with me. I'm I'm going to go for a. Um, it's not quite. I'm going to go five point five. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Five point five. So Jed, you're our first guest on in the first pack. You've beat Harry. You're in the middle. You'll beat yeah, I'll take I'm it. not going to be honest with you, but five point five. Congratulations, I guess. It's shades of shades of Coventry City in the noughties. Uh, it's quite uh, it's quite poetic. <laughs> there we go. Um, We're, uh, that, yeah. Middle inside in the championship. Just <laughs> just just on some Gerald Sid news. <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> he's, he, he's opened a pub in uh, Carlisle. <laughs> After a number of shaky performances, he was christened the hapless Gerald Sid by the Bolton Evening News. <laughs> Even at the time, the Bolton fans were like, who's Gerald Sid? Oh. And he left oh. by mutual consent and then went to Nice on a three and a half year deal. Oh, the hapless God, I love Gerald it. Sid. All right, all right, Chad, you're going down to 4.2 now. What? <laughs> 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 no, if anything, I'm makes it higher. I'm not having that. No, okay, 5.5, but I think, Carrie, I think the next documentary we make together is going to have to be Finding Gerald Sid. (laughs) If anyone's got a Bolton shirt with Sid on the back, please send it to us. (laughs) No one's going to have that. (laughs) I suppose it's going to be the cheapest one. (laughs) (laughs) Three three letters. 
guys, I've got I've got no better. We've got to, we've got to end it there. We've got to end it on a high. Um, Jed from the uh, Turtle Screamers podcast and uh, all things football. Thank you so much. Learning about Coventry and watching your opinion. Five out of five oh. on the deal and no deal. Thanks a lot, mate. It's been a laugh. Thank you for inviting me on. It's been an absolute pleasure, boys. No worries. Thank and you. where can, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on, on Twitter and Instagram, um, all things football. Um, I am part of the Total Screamers podcast. Uh, so we have a, a website. You can find our podcast in all the usual places. Uh, I've also started a, a blog this season as well um, about Cov. Um, it's called the Total Cov blog, which is like a sort of spin-off um, from Total Screamers. So you can find that on our website as well. So all the links are on my uh, my socials, basically. But um, yeah, like I say, boys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me on. No worries. And uh, likewise, uh, follow us on Twitter at Team of Your Lives. Any questions or queries, team of our lives at gmail.com. If you want us to talk about anything in particular, um, yeah, let us know. But until next time, sayonara, Gerald Sid. Team. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.